We're live and welcome to the shortlist with me, Johnny Campbell, your host, CEO of Social Talent. It is May 13th and this is our, I know, shortlist number four, I think. And I'm super excited this week to have uh, a good friend and an amazing uh, member of our community in the talent acquisition world, Lars Schmidt, joining us this week. We're going to be chatting with Lars over the next uh, 40, 45 minutes. We're going to get through the news. We're going to get into some of the initiatives Lars has been working on and talk to him about some of the insights he's gained, uh, speaking to tons of people over the last uh, eight weeks. Lars runs his own show, podcast. He's going to talk about that as well. If you aren't subscribing already, you will after the end of this, I hope. Uh, but uh, maybe before I do you an injustice, Lars, tell the world about yourself. What do you do? What's your background? What have you been up to over the last few weeks? Yeah, well, Johnny, it's great to be here on the show and uh, always good to catch up. Uh, you know, I'm Lars Schmidt. I'm the founder of Amplify. Uh, Amplify is a boutique uh, consulting firm that does uh, both talent and branding and recruiting strategy consulting and HR executive search uh, based outside of Washington, D.C. in the U.S. Uh, I've been in the space for a little over 20 years. Uh, most of that time has been in-house running global recruiting and talent teams for Ticketmaster, Magento and NPR and a few other companies. And then uh, kind of around that, I host a podcast called 21st Century HR and uh, write for Fast Company where I get to nerd out on modern uh, HR practices, people practices, talent practices, uh, and uh, work on projects like this. So excited to be on and uh, spend some time with you all. So Lars, we're gonna start with the news. Uh, we're gonna pick up three articles we've seen in the news in the last week and yep. see what you think of them. So Niall, we'll cue some news stories. the news this week. So I don't know if you saw this article, Lars, uh, most HR teams aren't ready for the transition back to normal. What is your sense on this? What did you pick up from the article or what are you hearing from HR leaders you're talking to around the world around their readiness for getting back to normal? Is there a normal even to become uh, after this? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, if that was a true or false question, the answer would be true. Um, look, I, I don't think, I think we have to recalibrate what normal is. If people have an expectation mm -hmm. that we're going to be going back um, to a period that we were in uh, through January of this year, they're going to be mistaken. We're never going back to exactly how the world of work in every aspect, uh, you know, operated at that time. And uh, HR leaders aren't ready, right? We're, we're making plans, we're developing transition, we're developing, you know, the big thing right now that we're seeing in the big conversations within CHROs right now are return to work plans. Um, but what does that look like? When do you time it? When is it safe? What resources do you need to ensure that uh, you can ensure the safety of your employees who are coming back to an office? How do you deal with employees with underlying health conditions or kids at home or other circumstances that won't allow them to come back in the office? It, it's an incredibly dynamic situation um, that, uh, you know, is just, it's its massively complex. And so anybody who thinks that, you know, we kind of flipped the switch and everybody stayed home and mm -hmm. shelter in place, and now we're gonna flip the switch, everything's gonna go back the way it was, you're wrong, it's not gonna happen that way. We don't know exactly how it's gonna happen, but it's gonna be complicated, it's gonna be messy, um, and and likely it's gonna be, you know, in, in kind of a staccato form where you're gonna go back and do some things and then, to so find out some things won't work. Um, but when it comes to maintaining social distancing, uh, you know, just how the safeguards you need in place to have people back in an office, um, you know, nobody's offices were set up like that for the most part um, yeah. before they left. And so that there has to be a whole reconfiguration that happens before you can even bring people back to uh, an office for employees who were in office. Like I'm calling you from Ireland, right? So 
Uh, it's different in every country, it seems. Yeah. And you're in Virginia, you're in the States, it's different in every state. What's your general sense from the US anyway, uh, state by state? Do you have any examples of states that maybe in your opinion are going too fast, going too slow, doing it just right? Or organizations like Twitter this morning with their announcement, what, what, what yeah. are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we have this complicated situation where like every, you know, there, there are loose federal guidelines uh, for the country, but then every state is, uh, they're making, you know, the, the determination within that state, mm. when and how they're going to open and kind of what their phases are. I think most uh, countries and regions are looking at a phased approach and you have to hit certain milestones before you move to the next phase. Um, you know, a lot of states in the US are beginning their moving, their plans to move opening before they've hit those milestones. So What's that going to mean? We don't know. You know, we don't know exactly. You know, there's lots of conversations around, you know, a second wave or, or, or spikes. We just don't know. It's too, it's too soon to tell. So, um, you know, states like Georgia, uh, I think, are, are certainly moving too fast from what we've seen so far. Um, you know, I can't think of any state that's being too conservative. You know, I'm fortunate uh, where I live in Virginia, our governor is a doctor. So uh, he's allowing science. Wow to, you know, be a predominant, I mean, it, it's a hard balance. Like, let's be honest. I mean, mm -hmm. you're, you're balancing, you know, economic factors, you're by, you're balancing epidemiological and scientific factors, uh, you know, uh, health factors. There's a lot of things that you have to weigh. And because of the complexity of all of those variables, there is no definitive, this is absolutely the right, this is absolutely mm -hmm. wrong. Like you have to make the most informed choice you can make. And, uh, but everybody's drivers, you know, from a, a state perspective are ultimately, influencing that decision. Um, I think I love Twitter's move yesterday. Uh, I think, uh, you know, giving people the option, the, the challenge when you think about employees, they don't know what their return to work plans are right now. And so they don't know, uh, they don't know when they're gonna go back in office and every individual is going through this at their own, based on their own circumstances. So we mentioned, you know, again, underlying health conditions, kids at home, taking care of older parents, um, you know, for Twitter, for them to come out and just say, hey, look, if you want to remain working from home, you can. And that just takes so much uncertainty and pressure off those employees that have those factors that are like, how can I possibly go back into an office under these circumstances? Now they don't have to worry about that. That's a massive stress off their shoulders. I'd love to see more companies follow suit. And you know, we gotta be honest, there are also employees that are desperate to get back into an office, right? They're, mm. they're, 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 they'd be there tomorrow if they could. And so I think giving, you know, it, it's, not, it's not a situation where we go all remote, and all distributed. It's not a situation where everybody goes back in an office. I think you have to have flexibility, but what I'd love to see more companies do like Twitter did is provide choice, uh, right? Let, let the employees choose. If for their situation, at least for the time being, remaining work remote indefinitely is the best thing for them, allow them to do that. If they're in a job, obviously, that can, that can allow that, let them do that. Don't force them to go back into an office for your perception of where they need to be to be productive um, if that's gonna you know, disrupt their whole family situation. And I didn't say it at the top of the hour, but for those of you listening live, uh, whether it was on LinkedIn or YouTube or elsewhere, please do jump in with your comments, your questions for Lars. We'll happily take them. We'd love to take them. Uh, if they're good comments or bad comments, we particularly want to hear from you. And uh, we'll tackle any question. Don't you worry. Lars, um, I've been thinking about this for our employees as well. Again, giving some sort of, not certainty, but giving them an idea of where we're going, right? Because people can then plan. And I found myself... Uh, gravitating towards or navigating towards the resource page you put together. You at the start of this um, whole whole um, uh, crazy time we're living through at the moment, you started putting together resources for organizations to share amongst HR teams and HR leaders. I wonder, could you tell me about that resource page? How can people find it? What kind of things are in there around this particular topic? 
Yeah, so the um, it, it's an open Google Doc. Um, I believe uh, your team will be sharing out the link, uh, Bitly link, um, so people can access it. Really, kind of the origin of that is, um, you know, I'm in some different CHRO and CPO networks, and um, I've been tracking this since December in Wuhan. I was just curious about, okay, what is what is this? And I'm I'm not an epidemiologist, but I'm just curious about these kind of activities. And so, um, as I saw, you know, it's starting to spread in, in Europe. I'm like, okay, this is you know, this is going to impact us in some way. I had no idea we'd be where we are now, but um, I started seeing conversations escalating in the CHRO networks that I'm in, um, especially for people with operations in APAC and Europe that were being impacted. Um, and so right around that time, um, Coinbase um, uh, open sourced their COVID-19 preparedness document, which is the, you know, the first one I think anybody had created specific to this. This was in February. Um, and, uh, and it was a masterpiece. And so I was like, this is something people are desperate for because nobody in the field of HR has gone through something quite like this at this scale. Uh, and so I wanted to amplify that. And so I wrote an article for Fast Company that um, included that article. And then I curated other resources around things like shifting to remote work, um, canceling travel, just different aspects of, of what I knew businesses and HR executives were going to be going through as this continued to spread. Um, that article went out in Fast Company. And within about three days, it was dated. Um, because the thing was just moving so fast. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, you know, I have open source roots. I was like, you know, that's really the way to go here. We need to create a crowdsourced open source document where everybody can add their thoughts and perspectives. And then I can kind of be an activator and tap into my network, uh, you know, and ask them, um, hey, if you're hearing news about how companies are responding to this, you know, add it in here. And then more specifically, and most importantly, then, uh, if you have, if you're willing to share your uh, COVID-19 playbook, you know, as a company in terms of how you're responding to this, um, you know, please do so because others are going to be looking to, to other companies for inspiration and ideas. And so, you know, really it was kind of, this, this was like a microcosm of, of open source because you had the, um, you know, Coinbase uploaded theirs first, right? Like a piece of code. Other people took that, they made their own version based on that. Then they re-uploaded it to the repository, which was essentially this document. So really the way that it played out was exactly like open source software. Uh, and it was brilliant to see that. So by the end, you know, we probably had 20 companies um, who had opened up their playbook. Um, and, you know, the document ended up going viral around the world, I think, because there was just such an appetite for um, having an understanding of how, what other companies were doing and how they were guiding through this. So it was great to see the HR community and the people community really come together and, you know, get out of what had traditionally been, you know, for many of them, siloed roles where you mm -hmm. don't share how you do what you do and said, no, like, you know, the greater good is that people need to see this um, and they're willing to do that. Yeah, I agree. You've been uh, leading the HR open source movement for a number of years. And, you know, I've seen it move at a certain pace that, you know, maybe you and I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have been as happy with that pace as we, you know, we'd like to see it go faster. Yeah. COVID-19 has given a reason for people to genuinely, uh, you know, crowdsource stuff because it's never been done before. I'm going to move on quickly to, to article number two, or we'll never get through the news today. There's so much <laughs> happening. Um, so let's talk about stress, right? So this mm -hmm. article in The Independent in the UK talked about how they surveyed um, uh, uh, UK workers and found half of UK workers were feeling more stressed or anxious during lockdown, right? Maybe this isn't a surprise, right? But this article spoke to the fact that people are feeling pressure to be at their desks, uh, this presenteeism concept. Um, they kind of were working on this high adrenaline kind of uh, uh, mode and and that's just not sustainable and it's causing you know it's causing anxiety it's causing stress for people um uh, above and beyond what what perhaps they need right now what, what are your thoughts on this or what are you hearing about you know hr leaders what are they doing to try and combat this stuff 
Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, absolutely, I, I agree with that. I think when you look at these circumstances, like these are just weird circumstances, right? It's an, it's an understatement alert, but like we're, you know, we're home, we're locked down. For those of us who are parents, our kids are home. Um, for those of us taking care of, you know, uh, uh, our own parents are having, they may be around. Uh, we can't go anywhere. Our plans are upside down. Uh, you know, our companies are varying degrees of effective in terms of like how they're being empathetic to our individual situations and circumstances. Um, you know, we're worried about our jobs. We're worried about job security. So, you know, we're concerned about our own productivity. So, you know, we're, we're kind of burning the candle at both ends. Then that's creating, uh, you know, internal stress and anxiety around like, you know, am I spending enough time with my kids? Am I spending enough time on my job? Am I doing anything to take care of myself? Uh, right. I mean, there's so, there's so much complexity bottled up inside this. And so I think it, it's really important for companies to understand this is the state that their, their teams are in, that their employees are in and, and, and acknowledge that. Right. And, and try to try to say, Hey, look, you know, we're, we're not, you're not giving us eight hours, you know, a, a day, you know, and this, like, you just, you can't, well, you know, here are the things that are really important. Um, try to do those when you can, when you can fit them in, right. Everybody's different in terms of like uh, their own circumstances and when they can be productive. Uh, but like, tell them that you are understanding of that, acknowledge the situation that they're in, um, you know, be, be, be open to different ways of doing things. I think that that, that becomes really important because there's this stress that, uh, the situation just automatically creates when you have the added stress of, you know, not knowing if you're, you know, you're going to be able to, to maintain your job. And like, you think you have to kill yourself on the hours department to show how productive you can be when you're at home. You know, it, it's a weird thing. Like we're talking about this massive shift to remote, right. And this massive shift to distributive work and, you know, Hey, it's just like, we're not working in an office, but this is a typical remote work, right? Like we've got all of these other circumstances around us. Like this is not like, yeah, I, I work remotely. I've been working remotely for years. Like this isn't a typical work day no. as a remote employee because of all those other things. So like, despite that, I think people are being as productive as they possibly can, but it, it takes but the, companies to communicate that. But there's also like, we, we were researching this for a course that we're, I think we're launching tomorrow on the social talent platform where we're talking about uh, uh, remote working and what all of us or most of us are doing, those of us who are as organizations new to kind of everyone doing remote work, it isn't quite true remote work because this is yeah. office work replicated online. People are still sticking to the similar hours they would have worked, like maybe right. it's 8.30 to 5.30 or whatever. Uh, they still do the same meetings and talk about talk verbally about how they're uh, getting things done. True remote work and organizations that have been doing this for, have done this for a decade, they actually, you know, the research I, I've seen certainly and people I've talked to, you don't have such set hours and yeah. you know a lot more of your communication is written because you have to commit in writing things are done because people are in different time zones they check at different times mm -hmm. it isn't an office environment replicated online i think there's a stress there because we haven't quite moved to that next phase in remote working because most organizations are still just doing office work in a remote environment yeah that's a great point i mean a lot of this crazy shit happening in the background um, yeah. to your point it's uh, it's kind of like synchronous versus asynchronous, right? It's like you know, people kind of work when they can, and we have to, we have to, as as companies and as leaders, we have to adapt to be more um, outcome oriented than kind of hours and process oriented, and that's a shift, right? That's a shift for leaders who um, have always been working in an office and have always had teams and have had people they can pop over to their desk and say, "Hey, where are you on X project?" Right? It's just it's not we don't have that right now, and so uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a great point. We kind of adapted our in office practices to you know, remote practices um, without really recalibrating them based on 
not just the fact that they're remote, but that they're also remote under these bizarre circumstances. So we're gonna take our last news item here, Niall. We'll throw it up on screen there. Um, and this is probably one that speaks to your heart the most. Um, there is, or has been, a, a, an outpouring of fantastic work being done by HR and recruiting and talent acquisition folks around how we can help restart the economy. I, I've seen brilliant examples, and this four articles picks out four, I think, but so many more examples of where people in our sector have just gone above and beyond their roles within their organizations or within their communities um, to try and help. Uh, what are you seeing? What, 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 what inspiring stories are interesting stories have you come across of HR and recruiting folks who've gone above and beyond to really help their business or help their, their community or economy? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, one of the things that's been most interesting uh, that I've kind of observed, and, and it's funny because I, I kind of experienced this firsthand uh, and then I, I saw it at scale, which is basically um, people saying, God, you know, this circumstance would really uh, benefit if this thing existed. Okay. Mm. It doesn't exist. Cool. I'm going to build it. Right. And so I've seen that happen in a lot of different cases. That was really the origin of that open source doc you mentioned. Uh, a lot of the projects that I've created were really based on that. I'd be like, oh, it really, it would be awesome if we had this. Okay. We don't let's build that. And, and I've seen that happen time and time again, where people have kind of just taken the initiative to build things, people coming together, you know, the recruiters recruiting recruiters initiative um, that was, you know, brought in a variety of different stakeholders from different areas together with a common goal of seeing if we, they can help furloughed employees, um, you know, find positions, uh, you know, and kind of commit to a process around that. Um, I think if you, you know, one of the early open source docs that uh, stood out to me, and this is this is before companies even started laying off, right? This is probably in mid-March. Um, somebody, uh, just a developer in, uh, I believe in the Ukraine, um, created this Google doc of 1500 plus remote jobs um, curated because, you know, that person just had the foresight and said, look, um, people are probably uneasy about their jobs. They likely will probably be rounds of layoffs soon. Um, and so there's a need for this. I'm just going to build it. And this, this is just a person mm -hmm. on their own, you know, just built it. Not, you know, I know what goes into those things, like hours and hours of time goes into that. Um, so that's another piece. And then another thing that I'm really seeing that um, has been great, you know, certainly in the U.S., we've had a lot of companies go through rounds of layoffs. Um, and a practice that I've seen developed is that um, companies are creating, you know, layoff lists where, uh, impacted employees can opt in to mm. including their, you know, their role, LinkedIn profile, email, kind of jobs and cities they're open to, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then the TA teams uh, are compiling those into a massive list and then making them publicly available so that recruiters can easily find talent. And I mean, these are companies like uh, Airbnb, Lyft, you know, Uber, you know, companies that have a pretty high talent bar that, you know, so, you know, the, the people being impacted, you know, it, there's, it's a false assumption to assume that anybody being laid off are the underperformers. I think that we need to squash that because that's, um, you know, sure, if there's opportunities to do that, they might, but the numbers of these layoffs are going way deeper than just that. So, you know, it gives you an opportunity to, to easily see talent that's available. Um, and I think, um, you know, going back to last week, you know, Airbnb, to me, it was just a masterclass uh, in empathy. What they did is, um, you know, they, they, they've been pretty public about this. I imagine most viewers have seen this, but, uh, you know, they gave, I think it was 13 weeks of severance for employees and this additional week per year of service, uh, one full year of benefits, which in the U S our healthcare system is garbage. Um, so that's a huge deal. 
Um, the ability to uh, you know keep your laptops, which is a small thing, but for people that don't have them, they have all their contacts and information on that, does make it easier. But what they also did, which was fascinating to me, is they you know they weren't doing a lot of external hiring. Obviously, as they were contracting, they redeployed their recruiting team as basically you know agents to help their laid off employees find jobs. So they created um, the best layoff list I've seen. Most of them are built in Google Docs. This one was built in Coda, which is like Google Docs on steroids, much more interactive. You can basically build microsites with it. Um, and so they built it on that. Um, and then they also built their own uh, within kind of their uh, Airbnb domain, uh, an outplacement um, you know, portal that had you know, profile details of all the employees who were impacted. So you know, it's fascinating wow. to see for recruiting teams specifically, you know, them pivot from, uh, you know, again, in January, booming global economy, lots mm. of people are hiring, you know, recruiters are balancing 20, 30, 40 recs, you know, now not hiring, you know, now actually asked to go the other way and kind of tap into their recruiting networks to help their employees uh, who are laid off find jobs elsewhere. Um, that's a fascinating case study. I think we're going to be talking about that for years to come. I'm going to ask you about a code of projects in a couple of minutes time, but I'm going to take some questions and comments from our audience. So a uh, good friend of ours, uh, Draja Misko, uh, who is president of HRO Today magazine and conference organizer. If anyone knows them, they're, they're an awesome organization. So he wants to know, Lars, your thoughts on what technologies are companies leveraging to better able them to work in remote environments or what technologies do you think we'll be seeing surface soon? So some of the, what are you seeing as the hot technologies that are helping remote working? And what do you think maybe isn't there yet that we might be seeing further down the line? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of it is leveraging uh, tech stacks that existed. Uh, they were already in place. So Slack, mm. uh, Microsoft Teams, um, Zoom, um, Google Hangouts, right? The, you know, obviously, you know, video is massive uh, now because this is how most of us are communicating. Um, you know, in our office communication platforms, again, like Microsoft Teams or Slack, um, you know, are, are also um, heavily being leaned upon, you know, more so even I think than before. Um, so I think it's, it's, not, uh, it's not necessarily yet creating a new category. Um, I think what we are gonna look at is uh, more of learning-based platforms. So knowledge sharing, information sharing platforms, Slack's not great for that. Microsoft Teams isn't really great for that. So something built specifically for internal uh, learning and knowledge sharing. Um, I think another technology, and this isn't necessarily for uh, companies moving remote, um, but obviously for conferences and events, you know, I don't know when we're going to be doing those again, uh, certainly at scale. And so I think a lot of uh, event organizers have moved to, you know, uh, use technology that's meant for different things and, and repurposing it for conferences, which can work. I mean, you're seeing, uh, you know, company, companies do uh, virtual events on Zoom. I've done some of those, um, but it's not the same thing. I think uh, I, I would imagine soon we're going to see a technology platform built for video streaming actual conferences, right? Where you have the event, you have rooms with other events, all the events are being recorded in real time. So you can watch them on demand afterwards. If you miss it, you can rewind and go back if you missed a part. Um, there's a community chat you know, forum where again, you know, in obviously in events, you know, typically the audience members are hanging out, they're making connections. Uh, you're able to replicate that as much as you can in a digital way. Um, I think whoever's first to market with a platform truly like that is gonna kill it because um, again, I just don't, I don't see us getting back to having uh, events of any size, certainly this year, uh, next year is, is a question. So um, I think there'll be a real need for that. Uh, and there's just, 
there's obviously an appetite for connection um, and and community, right? I mean, you know, our friend Hung Lee did his 24 hours of brain food, uh, you know, live a couple of weeks back, and there was 2,200 uh, concurrent viewers at the same time. I mean, that's insane. Insane. Right? Uh, and so there, there's a massive thirst for connection. Um, and mm. so uh, I would expect to see that. Like to me, like that's the next unicorn uh, in waiting is somebody who can build that uh, in a real uh, effective way, specifically catered to the event space and replicating that experience. And please, if somebody's listening and wants to design it, make sure you put a button there to get you a beer delivered to your home in two, <laughs> two hours when you click the button or less. That'll be that'll be super helpful. Uh, so some, some comments from Alice uh, Goffredo. Uh, such a good point, Lars, it's an earlier point you made. It's not about the number of hours employee gives you during this time, but knowing the priorities and focusing on getting those done when it's best for the employee to work and not necessary nine to five. And I think this ties into the technology question a little bit. Like I was checking out recently the stock price of Atlassian who are famous for productivity tools like Trello and Jira. And they dipped like everybody did in the first couple of weeks, but they've, they've rocketed in terms of their stock price because um, it's not just collaboration tools where you basically you know go on video or send chat, but it's measurement tools to say the work is done, it's complete, market done, work in sprints, all those things. Yeah, I think you know, you'll see more, uh, a more diverse range of companies using those for maybe purposes that they weren't originally designed for. We'll see people working in sprints or things like that, so that you can measure, you can quantify your, your small tasks, see who's got stuff done, and you're less worried about trying to see work in action and yeah. instead measure the out output of action, uh, which is awesome. For um, sure. Another comment here from... Yeah, I'm sorry, I'll shake this one out and then go back to you. Yeah, here's what, here's what I don't want to see on the technology side is companies uh, leveraging spyware, uh, right? Oh, and and, and like, yeah. tools that like, you know, take a picture of your webcam every hour to see if you're at your desk. Like, no. If you're working in a company that's yeah. doing that, kill it. Kill that software. Someone's going to build it. It's, Someone's going to put it, it in there. Someone's using it now. Oh. Like, it, it exists today, and some companies are using it. I think it, it's it's like the worst piece of HR software that exists. So if you're working in a company that's using that, please kill it. Do 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 society yeah. a favor and kill it. Yes, and, and show others how to kill it too. Yeah. So we're going to go to a great comment from, from, from our, our, our friend Dylan Redmond. Hey, Dylan, working from home definitely takes its toll but it's highly dependable on what sector you work in. I found one day a week in the past has broke the week up nicely and allowed you to focus on certain areas. However, lately I've got back into the office as I just wasn't as productive from home. Change of scenery is always nice and simple things such as traveling to work has become a luxury. Yeah, like I, I, I think there's three categories of people out there. Sorry, there's more than that, but let's say on this topic of, of returning to work, you know, you have people who go, I love working from home, want to do it forever. People who go, hate it, want to go back to an office. People go, I'd like a bit of both. And I think the you know we've talked about innovative techniques and how the world will change. I've you know, I've had conversations with people recently about models like WeWork, right? I think WeWork's model for a virtual for for like you know having temporary desks and renting desks for the new world is wrong because it's still fundamentally built on big buildings in the middle of cities. And I think the the new model um, and I want to take in, take this in a direction in a second uh, with you, Lars. The, the, the new kind of world of work, which arrived all of a sudden six weeks ago, um, this future world of work just hit us um, um, straight away. Um, I think that world of work doesn't require you, know, you renting office space in a, in a WeWork in the middle of a city. It requires probably tiny WeWorks in towns every five miles and the right to have a passport to go into any of those and take a desk for the day. You know, those kind of uh, real estate models, they haven't, ex they haven't come out yet, but I feel like there's going to be so many different ways of innovating 
out of because crisis crises like this lead to innovation and lead to new ideas. And yeah. in fact, you put together and we announced this week, um, you've put together a kind of uh, a crowdsourced uh, list of new ways you think that the world's going to be basically working. So tell tell us about that. And maybe give us your comments on some of the other ideas you've seen there seen there already. Yeah, I mean, so, um, you know, I, I was having conversations uh, within my network of just, um, I was actually working on my next fast company story. Uh, and it was about how this whole situation might be an opportunity for us to just reimagine work altogether, right? I think if you look at how the world of work has evolved and how, you know, people practices have evolved, um, for the most part, it's been pretty iterative, right? Um, incremental advancements, but for the most part, the fundamentals and the foundation is still from, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it's just more, maybe more technical uh, technology uh, enabled process. Um, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of us to really just rethink it, right? Is that still, does that still work? Is there, um, and so, you know, we're in these current times, uh, again, that the, the idea of going back to normal is, is off the table, right? Like that's not gonna exist anymore. So what, what will exist? And I think it's an opportunity for us in the field of HR and recruiting and talent to really think about that, to really be thoughtful around how are we going to design what's next, you know, adapt, uh, you know, adopt design thinking uh, approaches to kind of like, how do people want to work? How do we build prod, uh, processes that serve how people want to work in these times that we're in now? And so it started with me having some conversations with my network and, um, you know, just putting a, a, a ask out to my uh, Facebook and LinkedIn networks. Hey, if you're rebuilding work from the ground up today, what would you do? What would it look like? Um, and I started boom, 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 getting all these ideas, all this feedback, um, and uh, and it was great. So at first, I kind of took all of those, you know, basically paragraphs of feedback and um, put them all in a Google Doc because um, you know, again, that's kind of my first instinct. And so I I did that, and it was fine. But then I was like, you know, from a utility standpoint, you know, can we go deeper? Can we go bigger? Can we create? a more dynamic interactive platform where anybody around the world can come and add an idea and then the community you know, can upvote those ideas um, similar to Reddit so we can bring the best ideas to the top. Um, and then also organize them by category of different you know, functions within recruiting and talent to make it easy. Like if I'm, a, if I'm a recruiting girl and I wanna go and I just wanna see you know, ideas around recruiting, boom, I can do that easily, see all the ideas, hopefully maybe take inspiration from some of them as I'm working with my executive team on you know how we're kind of redesigning our operations, mm -hmm. thinking about work and all these other things. And so um, I worked with the head of people at Coda um, to to basically build this platform. And so it's an interactive live database. Um, I believe you have the link that you'll be sharing out. Um, but it's a it's a, a basically a platform for practitioners all around the world to come add their ideas, review other ideas upvote ideas um, and and basically you know my aim is to uh, really kind of lean into that uh, encourage uh, ideas and feedback from all over the world for all different kinds of roles and positions um, and then basically have that as a, a, a ongoing kind of a living platform particularly as uh, executive teams are beginning to think about what their operations will look like and what's next um, and so yeah I'm really excited about that I think this is again, another you know, uh, open source project that I think can really allow great ideas anywhere, right? So people who maybe don't have mm. a platform, they don't work for a big brand, uh, you know, they don't, they, they wouldn't, their, their ideas wouldn't necessarily be visible otherwise. Now it's all democratized. Anybody can add an idea. And, and if it's a great idea, the community will upvote it and it'll surface it. So 
Yeah, I'm really excited. I yesterday so. i love that i love that because it's a really good point it's one woman one vote you know what i mean you go in there and you put your stamp on something and you are the same as lara schmidt you're the same yeah. as 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 satya uh, from microsoft yeah. everybody gets that vote and we kind of see we see what rises to the surface and you can contribute an idea and, and, and you haven't i just re-emphasize this check out that link it's a really good project it's full of inspiring ideas and if you're working in the field of talent or hr you need to see what the world is thinking about um several ideas will be ones you've probably thought of yourself there'll be tons of new ideas you're going that's a really good point that could happen or no that will never happen and, and, and it's good to to upvote and downvote um uh, those things so do check it out there's some inspiring ideas i think it's an awesome awesome initiative Lars, it's it's what I would expect from you. I mean that in the in the best possible way. You know, it's the 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 great thing I've seen in this is that there's a real openness to share. Um, people are so much more willing than they were before. Um, I think being forced to be locked down, to be away from your colleagues, to be away from your family fa family, makes people realize how fragile these connections really are, and that you know it's more important than ever to give back, to touch somebody, to help them. And I, I know, again, I would hope we come back um, better people and we've become better people. My fear is over time we go back to normal because that's unfortunately what tends to happen. Uh, but to be able to see these kind of initiatives and see people band together, as you mentioned, like Hong's 24-hour uh, uh, brain food marathon was awesome, free wow. resource for the community. The links that you've provided, the two links today are fantastic resources for the community to to provide those open source projects i know i can't remember the guy who put it together but i got a link early on in in, in this from a guy who put in a crowdsourced list of all the companies who'd laid off um laid off people to go if you're going to apply for jobs here's who's laying off people here's who's not laying off people and you could cross reference that and stuff so many of these initiatives uh beautifully though you know i love what you started with was curating them together because uh, it's hard to find them and hard to read all the articles. Whereas if we have someone like you is going out there and curating this stuff and finding it and putting it in there, um, it makes it easier for everyone to kind of get these fantastic resources, yeah. uh, which, is, which is awesome. So so we have another question on that. We have um, a practical one from Sonali, um, who's a, a TA specialist in Oracle. Um, so uh, uh, Sonali is looking for some help on virtual interviewing techniques. Again, it's a real practical question. A lot of people are having, and we have, uh, if I can help you, if you want to go to the socialtalent.com website, we've got a free resources section, and we've got tons of training videos we made recently on how to conduct virtual interviews, and, and hopefully that can help you, Sonali, uh, with, with your question. So we've got resources. Please take those. Uh, go back to uh, Lars's resource link that he shared at the top of the uh, hour, and it's got some cool stuff in there as well. So Lars, like you mentioned, the conversations have begun moving to return to work and what the new future looks like right again not back to the way it was but what the new future looks like yeah. what are some of the other themes that you're seeing that are probably different now than two four six weeks ago can you maybe talk me through a kind of summary of what you see the trend in the conversation of the dialogue what what is that trend that you're seeing right now between hr leaders yeah i mean i think it's a couple of things like return to work is the dominant um, you know, things certainly, I think most companies are starting to um, either act on those plans or um, certainly develop them because they, they may be soon. And so, and it's just such a complicated endeavor that I think that's taking a lot of headspace um, for CHOs and CPOs. Um, you know, another piece is, um, you know, I think they're becoming the, the conversation and awareness around mental health uh, of employees has certainly been um, elevated 
by the situation, right? I think that, uh, you know, for, you know, going back to just rewind to January, I mean, there are some companies in some industries, right? Like in the Valley, a lot of companies had, you know, mm. dedicated, you know, mental health uh, vendors that they worked with that provided support. And that was kind of, um, you know, table stakes, I think is a benefit. Um, but it was still uh, in the grand scheme of benefits overall, a niche benefit. I think that that's starting to expand and people are really starting to be more mindful of the um, the stress uh, and, and the anxiety and just the burden that a lot of employees are, are carrying and being a little bit more proactive around how they develop plans to address that. Um, I think they're also looking at, uh, you know, how to, you know, maintain, enhance, support uh, culture in a distributed world, right? Because, you know, let's be honest, I mean, a lot of companies were, you know, who were not remote or maybe had, you know, one-off remote, um, you know, employees. Now everybody's remote. There's no water cooler, right? There, there's no uh, all hands, uh, you know, meetings. There's no cafeteria. Uh, and so how do you maintain culture? How do you maintain engagement, um, you know, in that environment in a way that is also, um, you know, authentic and honoring the times that we're in, right? Because I think that it's, th th there's a balance you have to walk there because um, you may say, okay, we're going to do, you know, bring your kid to Zoom day and, you know, dog happy hours on, you know, Zoom and like all this stuff, like A, Zoom fatigue is real. Um, but B, you know, again, like you may have some employees who are, uh, are single and maybe they're sheltering in place in a studio apartment in London and they're desperate for, you know, whatever interaction they can get. And so they're going to be all over all of those things. And then you're going to have some employees who are home and they're in a, you know, a, an apartment with kids who are in school, who are stressed or maybe have special needs. Uh, and they're like, it takes all their energy to give you a couple hours of work a day. And now you're putting a Zoom on their calendar, you know, and now they feel obligated to attend that. So I think you have to really find that right balance. It's not easy. And I don't want to, uh, you know, pretend that it is. It's difficult. Um, but I think you have to just try to you know, get a read on your people, get a read on where they are, meet them where they are when you can, and be sure if you are creating some of those culture programs, you're very clear that it's opt-in and not expected. So you're not putting that added burden uh, or pressure on employees that just don't have the space for it right now. I think that comment, meet people where they are, is really important. And I encourage people to think about those words um, and not gloss over them too quickly because it's a fundamental attitude to your employees that we need to we need to basically take I think especially in these times is meet people where they are uh, each person where they are each yeah. individual person this is really important I had a I had a, had a recruiting leader tell me recently how you know she had a, a a staff member who was in a massive panic she found it unfortunately after the fact about an old hands that she called to try and get people together and this leader had three kids at home in a small apartment and they were running around and the time that the all hands was on was going to be a really difficult time for her with the kids they were going to be wired full of sugar after lunch or something and she had this enormous stress for two days leading up to the meeting because she was just she didn't want to have to be on that call with all this noise and craziness but she knew it was important and she wanted to tell her boss and you know just to be able to she needed someone just to reach out to her and go is everything okay and you know to share that moment and feel okay that she could share that moment in advance so she could de-stress so yeah. it wasn't that important but people, you know, you, 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 you don't know what someone's circumstances are. And you might think, well, it's fine. We're having an old hands. What's the big deal? You know, it's going to be positive for everybody. That's not how everybody sees it, you know, to, to, to your point. Um, by the way, I'm going to make a shout out to um, 
one of our partners here in Ireland. A blatant plug, if you're looking for wellness initiatives for your organization, check out Pep Talk, an Irish-owned software company. They've got a virtual platform for wellness, which has really taken off in the last few months as well, which is a great sign for them. Great to see companies actually putting their money where their mouth is around wellness initiatives in their organization. In Social Talent, we've, uh, as an example, some trying to come up with different ideas. Uh, we're doing a virtual 10K next month. So we're going to try and get teams involved, whoever wants to get involved, uh, to basically contribute. You go run your 10K during a certain day, share your times, and you get to um, you know put it up and we have a bit of fun. And it gets you out of the house in your, at, at your own leisure, at your own pace, where we still have a team event where we can all participate in in the real world if you like and there's tons of those initiatives and again um anyone who wants to share them please do so we'd love to hear your ideas lars i'm going to move it into our final question for you as we begin to close out and before i do uh, just to mention to anyone watching please do check out our new shortlist page on the social talent website socialtalent.com forward slash the shortlist where you can find um uh, previous episodes that we ran in the last few weeks you can also subscribe to these episodes and we'll send you a full video recording of every episode the next day so on thursday in your inbox you'll get the previous day's show and you can access all the previous shows as well and you can also see what's coming up over the next few weeks and ask questions in advance of our future guests as well if you've burning questions to ask them so lars my last question to you to add to our shortlist and our shortlist is a list of advice from brilliant people we have on the show like yourself what is the one piece of advice today anyway you would give uh, those listening that you think can help them in their careers in their life that you have or you've heard over the years yeah i mean i think the best piece of advice i ever heard that um you know certainly i've kind of uh leaned on heavily to shape my own career is to uh, build a good name and what i mean by that is you know it sounds very simple but the idea is you know, in your own career, like whatever you can do to be helpful, to give back, to, you know, uh, invest in others, support the community, um, support the, the spaces where you work and where you operate, um, you know, operate with, uh, you know, ethics and morals, take good care of people, treat people kindly. You know, it's, it sounds simple. It's, it's a little bit more complex, but really it's about just doing, doing the right thing, taking care of people. And I think if you do that, in your career, if you're consciously, if that's your North Star that you use to help you answer any question that's in front of you, right? Uh, then I think that you'll you'll be, you know, you'll excel in your career. You'll build great relationships. You'll build great networks. Um, and so, yeah, that uh, that would be my advice. I think it's it's amazing advice for no matter where you are, what your belief system is, whether you're spiritual, if you're spiritual, concepts like karma and most religious religions uh, conform to something of that. If you're not spiritual, you know, you've got behavioral psychology principles of altruism, for example, that play into this. There isn't a, a perspective you can have on the world that counters that, I think. It's a, it's a great North Star to have, do good, give back, and good will come to you. I think those of us who try to live our lives that way tend to find uh, that's how it works out. So yeah, in these times, we need more people to think like that. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's brilliant to hear that from you, dude. Great. Lars, how can people reach out to you? If, you, if they wanna know more about your show, your podcast, if they wanna reach out to you to help them in their business, how can they find you? Well, I'm massively overexposed on the internet, so it's not easy. It's not hard to uh, find me. Uh, the, the best hub is my uh, my company website is amplifytalent.com. It's uh, amplify with a y talent.com. I'm on Twitter at, at @lars. Uh, the podcast is at 21stcenturyhr.com. That's syndicated to Spotify, iTunes, wherever you want to listen to that. Um, but the hub for everything is amplifytalent.com. And if you want to learn more about me and just how I operate in general. Um, you can also check out my website, alarsschmidt 
www.thepodcast.com uh, as well. So lot, lots of easy ways. I'm, uh, I'm not hidden on the internet. But for those of our audience members who haven't come across your work before, I'm sure they'll be digging it out. And I strongly recommend, particularly, I love I love your podcast. You've got some great interviews, great chats. Um, and you do this better than I do. So so, so do check out a real pro at work for those of you who, who want to hear more. Lars, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. I know you're a busy man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Keep fighting the good fight, brother. And we'll talk soon where I will absolutely still prove that I have a better Spotify um, <laughs> account than you with better playlists, dude. You know, we'll set this argument for all. It's like 2022, I'll the DJ off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lars, thank you. And uh, thanks for being our guest in the show this week. Next week, we have another fantastic guest. We've got our good friend, John Wilson, who is the CEO and co-founder of Wilson HCG, one of the uh, largest and most fastest growing uh, recruitment process outsourcing organizations around the world. John's based out of Tampa. He has been uh, a person to watch in the recruiting industry. He does not afraid to break the rules, not afraid to upset people. He is a fantastic firebomb of an individual who's got some really, really um, fantastic thoughts and ideas about what will the world look like as we ramp back up? And he's at the front line of this, um, talking to leaders about their ramp up plans in different parts of the states and around the world. And he's done so in Asia for customers. He's done so in, in doing so in Europe and the US. And I want to just kind of have a great chat with John and do join us because he's got some fantastic insights on how organizations are planning to ramp back up. And if you're a recruiter or if you're in talent acquisition, how you can help and what skills you might need to help organizations in that ramp up. So you can, you can uh, come to same time next week, which is 4 p.m. UK time, 5 p.m. Central European time. That's 11 p.m. in Singapore. That is 11 a.m. on the East Coast of the U.S. And that is 8 a.m. on the West Coast of the U.S. And for those of you who don't know what time it is elsewhere in the world, go figure it out. But you'll find us on YouTube. YouTube uh, is Social Talent or on my LinkedIn profile. Or you can go to the shortlist page and sign up there. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your comments and questions. If you'd like to be on the show or like to nominate someone to be on the show, do reach out to us and we will see you next week. Thanks, folks. We're out of here.